Before we get started, in this episode we discuss suicidal thoughts. If you are struggling or having suicidal thoughts or worried about someone you know, please call 000 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Well, I think again, the sport, the sport has kind of just helped me so much. I think that's where I got my self-belief. When I got onto the Australian, the kayaking team, that was kind of like, okay, like I, I actually can do something now. I can achieve kind of cool things. And yeah, and it boosted my confidence a bit more. I'm on the Australian team and, you know, and, you know, training all the time. And so, yeah, you just get that little boost of confidence and just makes you feel a little bit like your old self again. I think that that is what's helped me kind of get through it. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we share honest and inspiring conversations so that you can live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebilagin. A lot has happened since we last spoke to Sam in 2019, but she continues to defy barriers in life and sport, inspiring people around the world to do the same. If you don't know Sam Bloom for her sporting feats, she's won two golds and one bronze at the World Parasurfing Championships and represented Australia in paracanoeing, then you might know her as the inspiration for the global hit movie Penguin Bloom. In 2013, Sam's life changed dramatically when, while on holiday in Thailand, she leaned against a rotten balcony railing. As it fell away, so did Sam, plummeting six metres onto the concrete below. The accident left her paralysed from the chest down. Coming to terms with her new reality, Sam fell into a depression, grieving an old life and sense of self. Then, the unlikely arrival of an injured baby magpie, who the family called Penguin, helped her recover. In this chat with our executive editor, Cara Byers, Sam talks about what sport means to her and what it was like to have her life given the Hollywood treatment. When we spoke to you last time, the movie Penguin Bloom hadn't come out. So what was all of that like? Like, What's it like to have Hollywood turn your life into a movie? Pretty exciting. I mean, it's pretty bizarre, obviously, at the same time, because we're just us. No one amazing. We're just a normal family. Um, but yeah, no, it was an honor. I've got to say it was an honor to have like Naomi Watts play me and Andrew Lincoln play Cam. You know, like like actors with such a high, like, I don't know what, what would the word be, like caliber, I don't know. Like, I guess they're famous. <laughs> and to have, um, have them tell our story and, and tell it so authentically, which, like, which I, was, I was so thankful for. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was a it was a really cool experience. Yeah, because they shot the movie at your actual house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they kicked us out, um, and then they came in and they totally changed the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, because our house is white, um, and so they came in and they they painted it sort of darker colors. They pulled curtains up, wooden ceilings in, just to sort of set the mood. I guess to make it like a bit not sadder, but you know, not bright and happy. So, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty crazy. We come to set and, yeah, it was just like, oh, just, it was just weird. We into a set, which is actually our house. But, yeah, no, it was, it was fun. And then did they take all that away at the end or? Yeah, they said they could, we could keep whatever we wanted, but I can't say I like the furniture. So we're kind of like, nah, just take your stuff. We kept a few things and then they just painted it all white again for us. Oh, nice. That's cool. So you got a fresh paint job out of it. Exactly. Exactly. We got a fresh paint job and a, and a new driveway. Oh, nice. So have you seen Penguin much in the last few years? No, no, no. See, Penguin flew away in 2015. And she hasn't been back? No, we haven't. I haven't seen her since. We've had heaps of birds since Penguin. 
Um, but yeah, no, n- not the actual penguin. Yeah, she's like probably fallen in love and had a family of her own. So yeah, know. she had a boyfriend or something. Yeah, but I mean, because she, when she flew away, I was in a he- much better headspace because that was when I um, I was over in Italy for the kayaking. You know, so I was super busy and and actually had a purpose. So it's kind of like she's like, "Yep, I'm out of here. I've done my job." Yeah, my work here is done. <laughs> It's so amazing, isn't it? I was thinking about it even last night that that happened. It's nice. It's like there's a bit of magic in life. It's it's really nice. Like, you know, when you're the lowest of the low and, yeah, just you need something just to kind of pick you up a bit. Yeah. So um, just talking about sport, sport's always been a big part of your life. Can you tell us what it meant to you pre and post injury? I guess pre-injury? That was like that was kind of who I was. It was almost like my identity, you know. I've never been an academic, <laughs> so kind of like exercise and sport. That was that was what I did. It was just I did it because I loved it. I know I'd meet a friend every couple more every second morning. We'd go for a run, and then I'd come back, get the boys ready for school, and go to the gym, go for a mountain bike ride or surf or play soccer. That was just me, and that was that was. I don't know. I was always in my happy place, you know, when I was, I was in the bush on my mountain bike or out in the surf on my board. Yeah, just being super active and always a tomboy, you know. And then I guess after the accident, as far as I was concerned, I totally lost my identity. I wasn't the active person. I wasn't the happy, active mum that I used to be, you know. I was just like this kind of shell, I guess. It was completely inactive because I was stuck in a wheelchair. I felt that, that to me, that was just, I don't know, that's why I always say that the real Sam died, and someone completely different came back. So that was that was my that was just a massive struggle. Yeah, because when you when you had your accident afterwards, you were in quite a dark place. At one point, you said you contemplated taking your own life. Yeah. No, honestly, honestly, it was like on my mind every day. I remember I used to write stuff down, and I remember oh, I would have been probably months after the accident, and I think I wrote something like oh, my God, I haven't thought about dying for, like, a week now or something. And that, no, no joke, it was, it was always on my mind, I wish I died, wish I died. I mean, I didn't go around saying that, but in my head. But then, obviously, it would have been a lot harder for the boys and I would never have done it. I would never have taken my life because that would be super sense, like selfish, you know. They saw the accident, they, they've, they've kind of been there with me the whole time and then if I did that, that would be a horrible thing to do. So when you look back now at that time, how do you feel about it? I don't know. I mean, I I, I have reread like some of the stuff that I used to write. It's, it's really sad because there was so much guilt and anger and sadness and, and it was just like unrelenting. And I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, I can't say that I hate, I still hate being like this. I always hate being like this. But I think um, in a weird way, it's kind of gotten a bit easier. I guess you just kind of have to adapt. You kind of got no choice as a human. We're so adaptive. Yeah, you just have to get on with it and make the best of what you've got. Because we're so adaptive as humans, we can be in an environment for so long and then we just, yeah, it just starts becoming so normal and then you look back at those times and think, whoa. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, geez, I wasn't driving at the time and I was, like, literally on house arrest, just stuck at home and just so bored and just so, like, I think I was so overwhelmed. When I came home, you know, I'd like sit here and look at the beach and just like kind of, it was almost like I couldn't believe this is my new life now. And then trying to put on that brave face all the time, that was kind of exhausting. And no one, do you feel like a different person? Because that would be behaving as a diff, obviously physically you're different, but then mentally you've got to behave differently, like against how you feel. 
I, I don't I think I'm not like I used to be like always happy they're happy and energetic and like yeah yeah come on like you know you wake up in the morning you're like yeah sweet it's an awesome day and kind of pumped but I'm not like that anymore it's kind of like you wake up and you just kind of go ah oh, shit another day <laughs> I mean I shouldn't complain too much and it's good when 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 you're busy it's fine because you've actually got something to do and to get it like, and a reason to get up for so in lockdown how was that for you then because I mean obviously you're a champ you had that for a bit but yeah, it didn't bother me, to be honest, because in a weird way, it's kind of like life like this is like you're in lockdown. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like um, like you want to do something, but you can't. You know, I guess like lockdown, people wanted to go out, but they can't. Or you wanted to do this, but you can't. That's what I think life like this is. Because I, wanted, I look at the beach and I'm like, oh, my God, I'd do anything to be able to run down the beach, but you can't. Now that we've ha- had lockdown, do people have a bit more empathy and understanding for what your life's like and what you've gone through? Maybe a teeny bit. Yeah, it's funny because um, we out for the first lockdown when, in 2020 when we came back, you know, and, and Cam, we were meant to be at home for two weeks and Cam's like, oh, I just need to go for a swim. I'm like, I can't. And then, you know, he was a bit naughty and he did. He ran, he went down the beach. I mean, this was like before, you know, we'd, no one had it here. And, and I said to him, you can't handle it, can you? <laughs> like missing out on stuff and, and, and know, knowing that you want to do something but you can't do it. And I said to him, that's what this is like. You couldn't even handle two weeks. <laughs> but you've achieved so much. So how do you cultivate that self-belief and resilience? I think I've always been pretty resilient. Like I said, I've always been the tomboy and always kind of like just put up with stuff, you know? Like if, yeah, I don't know, I remember getting my ribs broken in soccer and it was kind of like, put me out for a week or something and it's like that's okay I know and you just get on with it well I think again the sport the sport is kind of just helped me so much I think that's where I got my self-belief when I got onto the Australian the kayaking team that was kind of like okay like I, I actually can do something now I can achieve kind of cool things and yeah and it boosted my confidence a bit more I'm on the Australian team and you know and you know training all the time and so, yeah, you just get that little boost of confidence and just makes you feel a little bit like your old self again. I think that that has what's helped me kind of get through it. Yeah, and do you, like, allow yourself to acknowledge how extraordinary that is because you got onto the Australian team. Like, it's not like you're, like, pissing about doing it as a hobby. Yeah, right. I was pretty proud. And it is it is an amazing experience thinking, like, yeah, shoot, I'm representing Australia. You do, you become kind of patriotic and kind of, like, so it's a, it's a good feeling. Yeah. And then, so you talked a lot about journaling. Do you still journal? No, I haven't written anything for ages. Yeah, it's pretty dark. I mean, geez, I remember, um, you know, when, when Naomi um, it was playing me and I hadn't really met her yet and, and I, I wrote to her and I said, look, I've written a lot of stuff down and I sent it to her. And, yeah, just so she could kind of get in my head that way. Because, you know, she's a mum as well and, and it was a lot of guilt about not being the same mum and guilt about everything. So, I think that helped her kind of understand like how I was feeling and but you know I haven't written anything for a while maybe it wouldn't be as dark (laughs) maybe you don't need to now because you're not in such a dark place yeah yeah it's still like that though I was always kind of like on an even keel almost you know it's kind of yeah just come along and you know if you have a shitty day or whatever I would just go for a swim and then feel cool again so is this right that you're a two-time world para surfing champion? Yeah, it's pretty cool. But, you know, I just had a competition. When was it? December. I was spewing. I came third. So it was so much pressure this year. I did okay in my heats. Like, 
they were fine and I thought I was surfing really well but the final just didn't happen for me. So what's it like to compete at such a high level? It's fun it's nerve-wracking like the last final I was so nervous like probably the most nervous I'd been you know I was thinking I can't eat and thinking oh I don't want to do that do this today yeah and and like the surf wasn't great it was quite it was just closing out and I was like damn it. <laughs> so yeah but no it, it's fun and it, I think the funnest thing like obviously winning is great but like it's like this is an amazing community the whole adaptive like the Paris surf community is just unreal so that 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 to me is the highlight of the competitions it's just going and seeing everyone again you know from everywhere from Costa Rica like you know Brazil like America France everywhere it's just the best People from all over the world and you're all together. That's really cool. It is super cool. It is, and I think the best thing is like everybody has a story and everyone kind of gets it even though obviously we're all different, like different injuries and different um, stories. We all kind of get it. That's just nice and it's just nice because you kind of feel normal, which sounds terrible, but it's just like you're not the only one in the wheelchair and you're not the only one who needs help. And Yeah, it's just this amazing vibe. And, yeah, it's the, it's, for me it's the best time of the year. The only time that you kind of feel happy and you feel normal and it's just like, yay, everyone's just pumped. That's awesome. And how does it feel when you're out there riding on a wave? Yeah, cool. Um, I mean, I still get frustrated, like, you know, if I fall off or if I kind of don't do as many turns as I wanted to, but no, it's the best feeling. You still get like just kind of like that thrill, I guess, of just going along the face of a wave. Yeah, it's unreal. And then just hanging out like – even if you're not like not in a competition or whatever, if you're just in the surf with a couple of friends, it feels like the old days. You know, you're just hanging out the back, having a laugh, chatting, catching waves together, and yeah, it's good. I love it. So you've talked about like the first time you did get on a surfboard after your accident and how it just didn't feel right. So how's that? How's that feeling changed? Yeah, I mean the first yeah the first time I was like that was my first summer. I don't know. I didn't. I did not feel comfortable in the water at all. Like Cam would take me for a swim, and then like it was like my whole body would just kind of like seize up. Like I just felt so uncomfortable and so out of control. And yeah, it was actually really stressful. I didn't. I didn't like it. So because you know it's weird going from like a place that was like meant everything to you, and that was like your happy place to to something. I don't know. It just changed where you just were actually like scared being in the ocean, and it was just like this is just weird. So, yeah, I think I told you, like, it took me five years to get back out on the board. Yeah, I don't know. I think when Cam pushed me on and I caught it and I was with Noah, like our middle son who surfs, and, and it, was, it was just fun. So let's talk about the World Parasurfing Champs last year. Can't believe you were spewing and you still came third. I know it's hard when you're the best. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I, was just, I, was, I, was, I was so annoyed at myself. Like, oh, damn it. I know, and um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm stoked for the um, the girls who beat me. I mean, it's pretty unreal. Not not unreal that they beat me, but I'm not saying that I'm this amazing person, but like stoked for them because I know how it feels. So, what were your highlights from the comp? Uh, just meeting everyone again, seeing everybody, like just yeah, because you know, I hadn't seen we hadn't seen each other for like a year and a half or or more, almost two years, I guess. You know, yeah. and it's such a tight, it's just this tight little community. Yeah, it's just the best. So what did you what did you learn from that comp? <laughs> I learned I beat myself up a lot. Actually it's funny because I was just watching Pipeline, not that I am comparing myself to them. 
like the professional surfers. But even the, you know, even like all the, um, you know, like Italo and like all the top ones, they didn't get through. And I was thinking, okay, that makes me feel a little bit better because hey, imagine the pressure they would have on them. You know, thinking everyone's like, oh, they'll win, they'll win, like you know, and then they get beaten by like a rookie. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah, it made me feel a little bit better thinking you can't you can't win all the time. Must be hard though when you're so competitive. It was pretty hard. <laughs> because you've talked about being competitive before and then do you think that's the streak that makes you pushes you to keep moving forward? I think so, yeah, it is. Definitely. Even in the gym, you know, like um I don't know, we'll be doing weights or whatever and then um one of the the um trainers will go, Oh, do you wanna like like take a weight off? And I'm like, no. He's got like, oh, I want more on. I, I always try and just push myself. I like to be physically pushed. Well, I like it for myself just to thinking. Like even the other day, like I haven't been to the gym actually, geez, for a couple of months, like which was ages. And you far out, you get so weak. Like, you know, like doing, like if you hadn't done chest press and all that for ages. And then um, my friend the other day, she goes, I was just like lifting 40 kilos. And then I only did four, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then she goes, do you want to lighten up? I'm like, no. And then she goes, okay, we'll try again. I'm like, yeah. And so, yeah, I was like I'm determined to at least get out 10. So like, in that, I am competitive with myself. Yeah, that thought of you can do it, you can do it, must really keep propelling you forward. And then, so funnily enough, talking about the gym, you talked last time we interviewed you about your PT and that relationship. And they've had a massive influence on you. So do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Are you still working together? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, she's just unreal. And it's funny you say that because even yesterday we trained in the morning and then we went, this will sound so strange, we went and had a cup of tea like up in the bush near Palm Beach. It's just this really nice place. And um, I don't know, we're driving back and she goes, because I tell her everything. And and I really, like when I got back from the, um, from the world championships I just offloaded and she's just like oh my god and I'm like I really needed that thank you <laughs> but yeah yesterday like she it was funny we're driving home and she's like tell me five the five worst things about this being me yeah and so it's kind of nice it's refreshing because you can actually be completely honest so it just feels nice you know and she's like wow I had no idea you actually felt like that like that's how you sort of see things. You know, I was telling you, I'm like, okay, number one would be like losing my independence. You know, that just absolutely kills me, like having to ask for people to help me exercise or, you know, whatever, and sort of the list went on. And she's just an awesome friend. And like, yeah, so she's like my therapist. It's so good. I think I think everyone needs like just a friend like that who you know you can tell them everything. And you know they're not going to judge you and then you know that they're, they're there to listen. It makes you feel better just to get some stuff off your chest. Yeah, and also that, like, therapy doesn't necessarily have to be with a therapist. No, I agree. Because I, I, I went and swore, like, a therapist twice, and I was just like, no, you're not helping me. You made me literally the second time she made me tap on my forehead. I mean, sure, it might work for some people, and I'm just like, dude, that's not going to help me. Yeah, my therapist said just like, yes, and just a couple of good friends. And they, uh, they did happen to be, both of them, um, a coach and a trainer. I went to see a therapist once and she it was like an hour's appointment. She spent 45 minutes talking about all her problems. And then at the end, she was like, I just really think you need to be more resilient. And I was like, wow. Walked out of there like, I'm an idiot, but this is so awkward. <laughs> so you're not alone in the weird therapist <laughs> situation. 
So um, what's one thing that no one ever asks you? I guess the one thing, not that they don't ask me, but they don't know, is that I'm in pain all the time and it doesn't let up, like 24-7. That's the one thing that I find that wears you down. I find it actually quite exhausting. Like I guess physically maybe, but it's mentally exhausting. It's like, dude, just give me like like half an hour a break with no pain. That would be really cool. And what's the suggestion for that? Like they just either, I guess they just say, take your painkillers, which then completely knock you out. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, that's what they do. They just chuck you on um, this specific medication, which is actually an anti-epileptic medication. And it does, it knocks you out, man. You're like a zombie. What a choice. So the choice is you're either in constant pain or you're completely out of it. I'm slowly, I'm almost off it now, but it's taken years to come off it. It's almost become, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like you become addicted to it in a weird way because you're too scared to come off it because you don't want the pain to get worse. And you're kind of like you need this thing. I came off it. I, I did a really stupid thing, which is so typical of me. Um, I halved it and you're not meant to. I was on a really, really big dose. And I'm not a big person. And and Cam kept going, you've got to get off this Lyrica. Like, it's a bad drug. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one day I thought, okay, I will. And so I just halved it. I went from 600 to 300. Oh, that's when I ended up going to see this therapist because you just go back down into that dark space again. Hate the world, hate everything. Like, you're so angry and, yeah, you just want to die and all that. So it's quite a journey. And being a nurse, like, you would – kind of know about that stuff right you think so but I didn't I just did everything the doctor said it was kind of like you're like okay the or the pain team okay you're gonna take this drug now okay and I just did it and yeah and I'd actually never I'd never heard of neuropathic pain before because I just I guess I don't know I worked on a neurosurgical ward so we were just dealing with like head injuries and like brain tumors and stuff not so much spinal I never heard anyone talk about neuropathic pain or or this specific drug or yeah. So I just I don't know. I just wanted to not be a pain. So I uh, like and and no, I have like a burden to the other nurses and doctors. So I do what they say. Take the drugs. Yeah, but that's what we all do because we just think like they know everything. They just do what's best, and a lot of the time they're just kind of like doing what they know. Exactly. That's so true. Hey, and that's their bag of tricks, and that's like it is. It is exactly right. It is their bag of tricks. So yeah, so that's that's the one thing I don't think people realize is just the um yeah the constant constant fire. It's like you're on fire all the time, or sitting like you're sitting in stinging nettles. That's what it's like all the time. Shit, you're doing a good job of speaking and being like sociable. I know, but I don't have a choice. But that's the thing, right? If you're distracted, you're not thinking about it. That's why that's why sport and exercise and and trying to be busy is so good because you don't. You don't think, oh, shit, like my feet are so on fire, my bum is on fire, my, you know, because you're distracted. Yeah, that's why I found this month, like since we've come home from America, it's just been, I've been honestly so bored. I don't know, it's like nothing to do and it's, and yeah, and you're just thinking about the pain. And does it like wake you up at night or? No, it doesn't necessarily wake me up, but but no, I don't think, it, it doesn't wake me up. Sometimes I find it hard to go to sleep though. Because you can't get comfy. I mean, you get used to it because you don't have a choice, but. It makes a lot of sense now, like, why you're so busy all the time. But also, you do some incredible work because you're an ambassador for the Sapphire Project, Surfers for Climate and Wings for Life. 
What's that? What's that work all about? What's that like? The Sapphire Project and Surface for Climate Changes. Well, it's all about climate and saving the oceans, which is pretty cool because I've grown up in the ocean, sort of thing. Like we've grown up at the beach, so that means a lot to me to look after the ocean and obviously look after the world. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Kind of trying to help them out and promote their cause, which is pretty amazing. And the Wings for Life, um, yeah, so that's run by Red Bull. Yeah, that's that world run every year just to raise money for spinal cord um, research, which is, yeah, which is just awesome. I think I like Wings for Life like because 100% of their proceeds go straight to the research. It's not like they kind of give a little bit here, a little bit there. Yeah, I think they're, they're really cool. You're also don- donating a percentage of your book sales to Spinal Cure Australia. What does that cause mean to you? Oh, well, heaps. I mean, they're putting um, all that money into research. They've got a trial running at the moment in Sydney. They kind of like try and stimulate your spinal cord to sort of, um, I guess, create a pathway. So they're, they're doing that again with COVID. It's kind of stop, start, stop, start. But it breaks my heart. Like, I mean, I was 41, like when I had my accident, and I know how devastating it is. Like it's freaking life-changing in not a good way. And you know, like I get messages. I got this message off this kid who's 16, like from WA and, and like, and he used to surf or, or I think he used to ride motorbikes, like, you know, golf jumps and whatnot. And he, he had an accident and broke his back. And it's like, oh my God, that this is, that is why I would love all this money to go into research so they can fix like kids like that, you know, so he can live the life that, you know, I'm sure he wanted to live, not one that's stuck in a wheelchair. I mean, this kid is amazing. He's kind of wakeboarding and doing these, all these crazy things now, which is just so awesome. But, yeah, if they found a cure, yeah, it'd be just life-changing. I think that's what breaks my heart about, yeah, hearing young people because it's kind of like that's the start of, like, their life. Like, you know, all the adventures that are about to begin and, and it kind of gets taken away from them. So um, looking to this year, what, what, are you, what are your goals for this year? Um, we're going to Hawaii in June, actually. For the Hawaiian um, Para Surf Championships, which will be fun. That's meant to be a really cool event. Like beautiful warm water, like amazing waves, hopefully. That'll be cool. But then again in, I'm assuming it will be December again this year for World Championships. I want to just become a three-time World Champion. And then I'll go, okay, you guys can just do it. I'm just going to have to train, train and train. I mean, I feel bad because like uh, the end of last year I had like, you know, Tom Carroll. Yeah, I had Tommy, like, coaching me and, you know, and and that's why I thought that I was surfing really well, like kind of doing different things, like digging my arm in the water to help pivot the board around quicker. You know, and that was all coming together. And and then, yeah, I remember um, over there, you know, I'd had my first heat and then I'd FaceTime Tom. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I I think I did really well, felt really good. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, and then the second heat, I'm like, yeah, this is working really well. And then the finals kind of Sorry, Tom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, do more training with Tom and, yeah, just try and get better. Try and be in a better headspace, I think, for it, another final and not be so nervous. Eyes on the price. Yeah, but it's so hard with all that pressure on you. But I guess that's another learning curve now. You've got to, like, learn how to rise above that. Yeah, totally. Just, yeah, don't get too all caught up in the. I mean, even over there, like, I had, like, his TV crew, like, from American News, like, come and interview me on the beach and I'm just like, Oh man, like <laughs> just me far out. That is a weird thing, and that is what I do find a little bit not frustrating, but like the whole, whole social media thing kind of annoys me because people have this expectation. They're like, 
oh my god you're so amazing oh you've done you went swimming or you did this and I'm thinking far out like you do you feel fake because it's kind of like man you have no idea how I'm actually feeling and that that swim might have just been one hour out of the day where you actually did have fun then you come home you're kind of like going oh I do struggle with social media because I don't know you do you feel a bit bad because it's a highlights reel exactly but I mean People are becoming more savvy towards mental health now where they realize that like you can function and still have the occasional shitty day, you know, or have constant shitty days, but you're still doing stuff. But I guess with social media, the thing is, yeah, now it's like there's kind of a pressure to be on it, I guess, for someone in your position too, is that? Yeah. And then that's, that is the thing that's Cam and I often like argue because he's quite a positive person. And, you know, but it's okay. I mean, obviously it's been hard for him, but, you know, he'll go, oh, I'm just going for a swim. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, you got to put a post up. I'm like, I haven't done anything. Like, what am I going to? Yeah, I don't, I don't like that pressure of kind of having to put something up or, you know, having to make out like, you know, so busy or this or that. But I'm pretty sure people would even be interested if you just told them the truth, just sat around today. I do. I, I do. I, I never sugarcoat it, that's for sure. Are you fine, but it's a roller coaster at times? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, this is so nice talking to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and just stuff like this is fun. It's so nice to talk to you and meet you. You too. What an inspiring story. If you're looking for more inspiration to kick your wellness goals, pick up a copy of the June issue of Women's Health Australia with Tiff Hall on the cover. It includes the great chat with Tiff plus 30 of the best ever nutrition hacks and we also investigate the rise of smart activewear. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted by Cara Byers and produced by me, Lisa Gebilagan, with additional sound editing by Abby Williams. For more from us, make sure you find us on Instagram at Women's Health AUS or visit womenshealth.com.au. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. If you are struggling or having suicidal thoughts or worried about someone you know, please call 000 or Lifeline on 13 11 14.